All right, hello and welcome back to this week's edition of the Omni Talk Fast Five. It is, believe it or not, it is November first, two thousand nineteen. Happy birthday, mom! By the way, if you're listening, a birthday on the day after Halloween, huh? Yeah, yeah. All Souls Day. Also, yeah, right. All Souls Day for those uh, for those of that persuasion Catholic school. Yeah, nine years of Catholic school. But yeah, happy birthday, mom! Thanks for giving birth to me a long time ago, and. uh, you know, thanks for everything you do. There's got to be an old joke buried here. <laughs> I somewhere. know. I can't. I just. I. I want to be nice. I want to be nice. You know, turning over a new leaf because it's fall. All right. Anyway. Well, there's the old Gross. joke. All right. <laughs> he did it to himself. It's perfect. It's been quite a week though, you guys. Yeah, Chris, you had a big interview. Was it yesterday you did it or two days ago? The the you know CEO himself. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, and it wasn't so much an interview as it was. It was funny. The most, it was a crazy thing. Mark Laurie reached out and uh, said, "Hey, let's." Uh, just get together, you know, talk on the phone and just rap about retail. And so, God, what was it, Anne, yesterday Please morning? Please tell me you didn't actually rap. No, there was no rhyme, no rhyme schemes involved. Thankfully. But, uh, Thankfully. But yeah, he, for call, everyone. he called what? Like it, it was like 9 a.m. yesterday and we got on Zoom and all we did was just, you know, chat about the future of retail. You know, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this trend? What do you think about this idea? What do you think about what startup companies do you like? So it was fun. It was cool to just kind of give him my thoughts and my ideas, kind of share our thoughts. We even got into like the creative aspects of innovation and different processes you would do to make that successful. And so it was really fun. A really open conversation. Um, really enjoyed it. Probably one of the highlights of, of probably of my career, actually just getting the chance to just wow. kind of, you know, shoot back and forth some different ideas, you know, kind of as a kind of equal thought partner and what was going on. So yeah, pretty wild. It's been a, it's been a pretty wild week. Business has been happening and flying through. We had the networking happy hour here at third house yesterday. Great. Yeah. A lot of good turnout for that. Just got done recording another women's retail collective podcast right before this. So it's who, been a busy day. Who was that with? Uh, we talk, we, Amanda Brinkman of Ooh. the Small Business Revolution TV program That's that so just cool. went live. I can't wait to hear And uh, Chief Brand Communications Officer at Deluxe. She and I sat down and talked about what they're doing to help, you know, the struggling small town America main street retailers survive. And, and it's a really incredible story. So excited to put that one out there. Yeah, I can't wait for that. That'll Me be too. great. Man, your, your stuff in that, the Women's Retail Collective podcast lineup is has been just Hot, just absolutely hot. Kelly Caruso, Karen Stuckey, you got this. I know you yeah. got some other exciting ones coming. And, and remind us how we find those podcasts. How do we find all that content? So right now you can find those podcasts uh, at thirdhouse.com. Uh, we release those to all of our members. Or if you go to newonline.org, it's a partnership that we're doing with a network for executive women. So but two great spots to check those out. And uh, yeah, Abby Lersman, the Chief Human Resources Officer of Ahold Del Hayes, is up next. So awesome. That's awesome. Pretty great month ahead. Yeah, that's awesome. So, are you guys ready to kick off November here with a bang? Yeah, but we have an awesome sponsor we have to mention. We absolutely do. Let's get right to it. Our sponsor is, of course, Trigo. Trigo helps grocers unlock the true beauty of brick and mortar retailing by designing a magical checkout free experience using computer vision and AI. Together with Tesco, Trigo is now building the largest checkout-free store ever built. It's exciting stuff. I can't wait to see it. Sounds like we might get a chance to get a preview of it. Can't wait. That's awesome. Super excited. Well, All right. coming off the heels of the, the conversation that you had this week, uh, we have a Walmart store to kick us off. We do. And I don't yes. think this is a big surprise to anyone. And again, great reporting from Matt Boyle of Bloomberg News. But Walmart has replaced the CEO of Jet Black, Jenny Fleiss. Jenny Fleiss excuse me. Now, if you remember, Jenny Fleiss was formerly with Rent the Runway. 
Comes as no surprise given the reports of unprofitability of Jet Black, how it's struggling, how it's on the block. I don't know. You guys have much to add here? I don't. I feel like I've said all of my piece on here, but I think it's an important story to report just given it's Walmart and we, it was yeah. an important initiative. We've been talking about the miss of this for a really long time. I think ever since, you know, I think we had an ongoing joke about the doorman and the text message. There's just a lot going on here that uh, not only gave us a entry to some really bad jokes, but I think ultimately uh, the business case of this we saw was not necessarily flawed isn't the right word, but we just thought it was off kind of from the get-go. Um, and so to see this isn't necessarily... Uh, a surprise to anyone. I'll just be curious on what Walmart is going to juice from this company as it kind of spins downward. Are they going to pivot it to try to do something different? Are they just going to uh, check their losses at the door and take it as a learning experience? Um, looking to see kind of how they slowly sunset this into the distance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you, Carter. I mean, I think for me, this is a big thumbs up because you look at where the people are going, where the chips are falling. And I think um, Jenny Fleiss is now going to be an advisor to the chief customer officer at Walmart, which seems like an excellent place, like perfect placement for her to be working with um, that woman, um, Janie Whiteside, on developing what that customer relationship and experience should be at Walmart. I think she's got some great uh, skills that she can apply there, even learnings from from things that didn't work out at Jet Black and how they're going to approach that market. That's what I'm saying. It's like so, there's got to be a list of things they're learning from that. I think it's also a little bit, that moves a little bit code for, I hate to say it, but my opinion here is that it's also code for, we want a soft landing. It wasn't a great venture. Thanks for coming on. We're going to give you a soft landing here versus just saying you're going to leave right away. So I think there's something to it. But it's interesting to hear your point there, Anne. I think Carter too, I think to close it up on this one, because we've talked about it so much, but again, it's important. The advice I just have for Walmart going forward is really twofold. Number one, these things are important. It's important to do innovation. It's important to have innovation initiatives, but they got to come back to your brand promise, which is how do you help people save money and live better? And I think if you keep that in mind in terms of how do you allow Americans to live on their budget and do the things that they want to do, that will guide your innovation work much better. And then the second point is really, how do you disrupt yourself? Anyone can create innovation programs that aren't tied to anything else. Those are happening all the time. But really what you need to do to be successful in the long term is to keep the brand promise in mind and think about ways to disrupt yourself. That is, quite frankly, what Amazon does so well and is so disciplined at doing. So that's my advice going forward. All right. You want to guys want to hit story number two? Yes. Story number two, according to Business Insider, Kroger, the largest grocery chain in the U.S., is now working with UPS, FedEx, and USPS to lure more shoppers into stores. They're kicking off a test program in 220 Kroger stores called Kroger Packages Services, KPS, OBS, if we, <laughs> if we need show. that. Uh, and LMAO. In- <laughs> All right. LMAO. You guys are just on a roll here in the last five seconds. <laughs> I had to call it I'm out. Sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> So um, what I, I, get, I was very critical last week of this happening with Amazon and their counter service, but I want to point out that this is done very well because in addition to what they, they just headlined that the fact that it's package delivery service and that you can pick up your packages there or have them sent there, but you can also do returns at this location. So I can bring in a product. For anyone too, right? Yes. Yeah. 
I can bring in a product. It doesn't need to have a box. It doesn't need to be in a package. They have basically, I mean, it's nothing new. They basically took mailboxes, et cetera, concept, and now they put it into a Kroger store. Um, But now I can bring that stuff in when I go to do my grocery shopping, pick up my groceries, pick up my delivery from the food hall at the Cincinnati Kroger, or get my Starbucks pickup window. I can also do this. Brilliant. I love it. It's great. What do you guys think? I, I the the special the special thing about this is the fact that you, the last point you made was really about how they have the box there and all that kind of fun stuff. So I think I think that's great. I just have a hard time continuing to put these into the similar category. I know Amazon's doing this a lot with you know we look at Kohl's and things like that. I I just don't see it as that big of a story. I think it's a new pickup location. Um, you know, I could do the same thing at my office. You know, I can have a UPS guy show up with a label in his or her hand uh, and be able to slap it on there, and we're good. Now, I, I just I just don't think it's as big of a deal as we are potentially making this. But sense. you had to pay for that. Like, if you think about Amazon, especially like if you have and you're in an office that has that. Yes, I guess I do daily, live in a bubble. Yep. That daily UPS driver, FedEx driver. I think. It's I totally agree. It's nothing like new or revolutionary, but they're they're doing this the right way and they're serving the customers that are coming into Kroger in the best way and, it's a, and it, simplest way possible. Yeah, and it's a nod, I guess, to the holistic three sixty offering of a one stop thing to yep. say, Hey, on Sunday you're gonna come to Kroger and you're going to not only get your food but your medication and drop off all the returns from that week before. Exactly. More things done in one place. I love it. Yeah, you're not relying I love it too because they're not relying on Amazon. Like it's just it's something okay. different. Yeah, they're yeah. just kind of skipping they're, over. They're them. just like, why do we need to like help Amazon? Mm-hmm. Whereas other people are doing that and 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 quite openly so and proud of it. Whereas here it's like, well, wait a second, we can just do this and we can do it for everyone and we can do it well and we can make it a reason for you to come to our stores. Yeah, that I'm, is totally competitive and differentiating. Plus, they own all the information, right, of where it's sending back to. Or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe I the would individual doubt, carriers. Own yeah, that I would doubt Kroger sees that. It would be. That'd be interesting. interesting question. Though. Data yeah, share. I don't, know. I don't know. It depends how they're thinking about that and how it's set up. It's possible. I know that's been talked about. Yeah, before. I guess when we go on this the side of data, like I think the question would be is, are they tracking the different ways consumers or customers at their store are using different services? I think this is more of a broad topic that we could talk about. But all of a sudden, you start to track, and however you do that, whether you have the uh, luxury of having a loyalty program or whatever it might be, you start tracking and figuring out, hey, are people actually using these new services? Are people actually using the package drop off? And if they are, what else are they using? And it's it's a, starting to understand a little bit more about what the new consumer journey actually is, especially when it comes like for this for Kroger. And we start, we start seeing strat or we might start seeing strategies more than simply putting the milk in the back of the, the store. And obviously they're doing a little bit of that, but as these new yeah. things come into and uh, in, really into the stores, I hope that tracking and data and trying to figure out how this affects the overall customer journey is, is happening. Yeah, that's a good point. You got me thinking too. It's cool to think about, okay, this is cool. Like what if it starts morphing with Walgreens and the Kroger pilots? Like, oh, it will. Yeah. yeah, yeah totally. My money's on. Right? Once again, full full solution, everything you need in one spot. Yeah, yeah. They're doing a lot of stuff. I mean, there's some things we agree with, some things we don't, but they're definitely doing a lot of interesting experiments. All right, Carter, number two. Yes, yeah, story, well, story number three, three actually. Sorry. Yeah, so according to Forbes, so FAIR, a two-year-old wholesale marketplace that helps mom-and-pop stores discover and stock new products, has raised $150 million of new funding. Uh, that round gives it a total of $1 billion valuation. So um, this company's been around since 2017. FAIR has uh, basically raised 266 so just over a quarter billion dollars in investment. Um, and, of course, the company appeared on Forbes' next billion-dollar startup list earlier this year. So, again, ultimately, FAIR is a company that's 
focused on the mom and pop brick and mortar stores and it's a platform to allow them to get into different categories so uh, some of the things that were uh, let's say you know, the examples that were given in Forbes were things like new candles and jewelry and new apparel things they might not have access to or have an understanding of in the first place fair is that company that bridges the gap now and I know that you know a lot more about this than I do um, but it's definitely something that's coming into focus well I think the thing that this really unlocks for like your independent clothing boutiques that are trying to survive again bringing it back to Main Street and the independent retailers who you know their biggest challenge right now is trying to give people a reason to come shop them um, when they can get a lot of similar products um, very easily online delivered to them within a few days it's required that they shift their business models to you know having people work a sales floor to like making deliveries to people's homes or going having to go and offer other personalized services like styling people in store for example so that they can stay alive and so what what fair is unlocking for them is the ability to one consolidate efforts uh, for shopping the wholesale goods that they sell in their store so this could cut back for them on uh, trips and travel that they have to make to independent wholesalers all over the world to bring product into their spaces Um, fair consolidates all of these um, individual makers we'll call you so think of it almost like etsy um, like all these individual makers of different products but high-end products like apparel uh, home goods um, and jewelry accessories all these kinds of things now they have a website that they can go to make their wholesale orders they do 60-day payment terms which is incredible if you're an independent retailer Wait, they do terms as well so that's yeah, a huge free deal. returns so, so, re- like, so really the service is not only covering the gap of product and categories it's no. really that full stop exactly. really kind of go-to partner that these exactly. mom and pop, and I have a hard time not maybe comparing it to me. I sorry, I've totally no, interrupted no. you. No, no, you're but, getting excited. Go, yeah. but I have a hard time not comparing it to some of the new things Shopify has been doing. Yep. Right, so it's looking at the power of the conglomerate to say, hey, you know, we are actually pretty powerful if we get everyone together into one room and exactly. use our voice as a whole. And maybe that's the only power that can go against some of the giants these days. And I think you know, and to what you've been saying, it's super cool to see that Fair is actually you know really starting to look at. What else can we offer in terms and some of the other services you just mentioned are huge. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's kind of like allowing the boutiques to come together to be able to scale and to compete with somebody like an Amazon. And one of the biggest things about FAIR is that all the products that's sold on FAIR is not available on Amazon so far. I don't know how long that's going to work. And really, truly, if you know, there's the the products differentiate themselves enough from something similar that you can find on Amazon. But for the time being, it's giving them something that they can't get online right now. So I this is a sleeper sleeper company, but now another billion dollar unicorn company and uh pretty excited about it. Yeah, I think it's one to watch. I think in full disclosure too, I have done some advisory work for FAIR. Um, so I think everyone should keep that in mind. And just so for the record too, so everyone knows, like I do like a handful of advisory work throughout the year. It's probably like a week or two a year, just as a side thing, just to help us here at OmniTalk when we're focused on trying to deliver the best, most awesome content we possibly can. But and the reason I focused on FAIR in my work is I think it's a really cool concept. I think everything you guys just said totally hits on it. It's It's not only solving a need, because as a small business entrepreneur, you don't know how to have access to all those different things out there. It's really time consuming. You go to like the home furnishing show in Vegas and you try to decide what to buy. Now everything's like in one space for you. So that's a need. But then we always talk about like the data play and the platform plays. To your point, Carter, 
you start getting all the small and medium-sized businesses together, you start to collect a lot of data and you can also use that data to help those small businesses. How are things selling? When do you need to reorder? What pricing should you take? There's all kinds of things off that that small business owners really don't necessarily have the expertise and the training and the tutelage that you'd get working inside of a retailer day in and day out that does it all the time with a lot of stores that can help actually make your business better and more and stronger as well. So I don't know. I think it's a really good company to watch. I think it's one that I am more bullish on than others. But again, possibly a little biased. Call that out. But one to keep on the radar screen for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the other point too is the that we haven't really talked too much about is the the makers themselves. Like this is giving them a platform now to sell at a much much larger scale than they would have been able to as an independent on on an Etsy shop or on their own private. Yeah, private on Twitter shop. somebody was saying like, is this like just Etsy? And I'm like, no, it's not. There's yeah, a, there's a lot more here than than just what's going on. All right, story four. This one is near and dear to my heart too. It's actually something we predicted back in June in an article for Forbes. But according to Grocery Dive, Sam's Club will now test retail space at their current e-commerce fulfillment center. So that's right. Sam's Club last week put retail space into a store that they had converted to an e-commerce fulfillment center. If you remember back, Sam's Club was converting some old stores into e-commerce fulfillment centers where they began fulfilling online orders. Essentially, they took a, took part of that space that used to be the liquor and tire service section of the store, and they've put in 2,000 popular products. There's no checkout stands and customers can shop those products using the Scan and Go app that they have in usage at yes. Sam's Club now in Texas that we've talked about a lot. Now, early reports are customers interviewed by local media are confused and disappointed by the limited selection and the basically no frills presentation. Curious, what do you guys think of this? We predicted it was going to happen. What do you think? I think the well, there's a lot to think about this. I would say, but For I think sure. I think the most interesting part is the customer disappointment side of things. Oh, so totally agree, right? Because so here's the thing: is it's like we're looking at actual uh, space that these companies are owning, uh, flipping, right? So one of the downsides is you own a ton of property as a traditional retailer. So what the heck do you do with it? Well, you make it. A fulfillment center, easy. Uh, but then it's like, well, we have this awesome fulfillment center, probably in a really great spot of town. So it'd be a shame just to let that whole thing just be a warehouse for semis. And it's like, well, we'll open up this retail space in the front, but it's only going to be small. It's just going to be to fulfill the daily needs or whatever it might be for the consumers around us, uh, simply because we're here. Why not? Mm-hmm. Um, but then the potential, as we hear at the very end of this report, is basically saying that uh, consumers are really disappointed. You know, they're looking to this store to be the immaculate, huge cash cavernous space they've always been used to and they come in and it's tiny it's dinky it's really not much really it's a warehouse with a register or not even right. register using you know the app here that they're that they've been touting um and so the question is is it worth it right is it worth uh doing things like this uh based on potentially the hit that your brand's going to take um and could they have done it differently? And the way I say that is maybe not done it in the way that, um, you know, not from a physical standpoint, but are there points of customer communication that could have been used in order to explain a little bit more about what to expect um, or people coming in hoping for the experience that they've always had at that store? I'm going to use a term that the audience who's disappointed about this would understand about how I feel about them being disappointed. And that is hogwash because this is completely ridiculous. John Ferner should get a lot of credit for doing this. It's a smart move because he's not preparing for the current large audience of like the biggest demographic of Sam's Club members right now are boomers and seniors. 
He's not playing to you. And yes, of course you're going to be disappointed. I get it. You can't go there and get your damn samples. So you're disappointed. <laughs> but they're going and moving. They're trying to compete with Costco. They're trying to be smart and compete with like Boxed and some of the other competitors that millennials and Gen Zers are going to be shopping. And if they're going to keep the business model alive, this is what they want and this is what they've got to do. So I think it's smart that they're looking at fulfillment centers. I think there's a possibility that they could even open this up to Walmart or other brands. I mean, those boxes are giant. There's a lot of space in there. If they wanted to consolidate this with, say, Walmart's grocery program or you know other Sam's Club delivery options that they want to unleash in the future and if we do have to satisfy those seniors and boomers and you need a reason beyond a frictionless Sam's Club experience, which sounds amazing. I don't know what other reason you would need to ever go for a Sam's Club shopping experience for. They could do something really cool like Amazon Treasure Truck, but in a Sam's Club and Walmart sense. If you want to draw people in and still give them that like cachet like what would be what am i gonna what am i gonna find when i go to this sam's club and you just put like six products out there and you sell them for you know that's retail 45 45 or 50 percent you know of the market price like people that's enough that gets you to go there so anyway i love this i think it's really smart and i don't care what those people say it's hogwash carter i know you got more to say (laughs) i can tell yeah, I, you're right on with the demographic thing. Like, you're not playing to the core consumer. Yeah. Like, that's not the point of these stores. Um, have either of you used the e-commerce delivery model from Sam's Club? Uh, no. No, not yet. You know, and I think, and neither have I, so I can't speak for myself specifically, but if I had like a larger family and, you know, strapped for time looking for an opportunity to get deals yet still have the convenience, and it goes back to some of the Walmart stuff we were talking about, talking more and more about how these brands are delivering the best price to you know live better right you talked about this and for a lot of people within this demographic like living better is saving 45 minutes or heaven forbid a 2 hour grocery trip it is. and and the idea that you're able to get the value and the discounts and the quantity that Sam's Club's known for all delivered to your front door thanks to these new centers that's what they have to be investing in and that's what they're doing now the question is like you know could you interpret this new move as a half step back to try to still appease all of the angry letters the postcards that you probably got from the the boomers that were angry took away their free samples <laughs> the postcards. yeah right there is a there is a comment box oh, um, but the point being is I think you know I, I want to make sure that when they're opening these stores they're not doing it to appease maybe some of those uh, pieces of negative feedback or appease those other people um, simply by opening a store but then you get the treasure truck stuff and all of a sudden is new so uh, i don't know it's it's i think a brand evolving correctly and you're gonna have some haters along the way i think it's awesome and that you guys are awesome like that's a cool discussion like everything so far has been like i think it's just been an amazing discussion so far today and i thought coming into this i thought the topics were a little light but like there's been a lot of nuance to what what we've got in these headlines this week but i think it's great contrast this with jet black right furner's got guts like this is gutsy but the difference here really is it's it's mvp yeah, it's minimum viable product. You can tell in how it's formulated. It's like they took a small section, it's put one a small store. amount of products in one store. They probably didn't spend a ton of money on it, so there's like no risk. There's absolutely zero risk to failure. And here's the cool thing, and we talked about this with with Four Star before. Okay, they don't like it. Make it better, right? Like you can only go up. Make it better. Yeah, go up and control the cost of the experiment. And make it better. And I had not even thought about the point of like, you're experimenting for the next generation, not today's generation. Yeah. Which I think is brilliant. Because you're right. You have time to make this better. 
Yeah. 100%. And you're right. There's so many merchandising ideas you could put into this, like like you were saying with the treasure truck, or even with the sampling. Yeah. Like there's so many cool things you could do. Uh, like sample it and then like sample pe- stack it, it in high the box. and let it yeah. fly, right? Like you could do that too. And you still just pay for it with your mobile phone and it all ships. Like it's simply easy. Simply easy. So yeah. um, I don't know. Very, very cool. All right. Well, let's Speaking close of delivery. this out. Speaking of delivery, this uh, is a big story. Yeah. So from CNBC, Amazon's making two-hour grocery delivery free for all Prime customers. That's right. No more $14.99 a month uh, cost to get these bad boys delivered. So Amazon Prime members will now be able to get two-hour grocery delivery for free, as I mentioned. Um, until now, those Prime members had to pay that pesky monthly price of $14. Ninety-nine uh, to access Amazon Fresh, obviously the company's grocery delivery service. Uh, so big deal or a simple price cut, making it more accessible. What do we think here, guys? And I know this is like tinfoil. Guys, this is your, the steam's already coming out of your ears when I you saw know. this announcement. It's so hard for me. Can I tell you how hard it is to be me for a second? How hard <laughs> is it? Just, I'm kidding, <laughs> obviously. Uh, this is, it's not just Amazon either. This is also Whole Foods to our delivery is yep. free. So uh, important to note that. I mean, I just, I hate having one company be the, like, there, there's just no way that anybody can compete. I mean, you look at Shipped, Instacart, Walmart, everybody is $98 a year or higher for these services. And those are just the big players. You look at some of the local grocery chains, like, but we're still paying one hundred nineteen dollars a year. Like yeah, but same as shit. Look at the look, look at, the, at the stack of that. Yeah, yeah exactly, right. exactly. I mean, there is no way that regional grocery chains and anybody else, anyone, anyone can compete with this. It's just not going to be possible. And so I, yeah, I don't know. It, so what? Do you but, what it's the problem is it's not just this. It's what's next. We know they're going into grocery. They're going to have physical stores. And what they're able to do with these physical stores is take all of the stops that we're making as uh, as consumers to our, you know, our big box retailer for the name brands, our like Whole Foods and co-op stops for the high quality produce or specialty butcher items. They are consolidating this all into one stop shop. They're making it so convenient. We can't turn away from it. Okay, so. And we are going to now have the opportunity <laughs> to either go to these stores, get our Heinz ketchup and our organic salmon in right. the same spot. and. No one's going to be able to compete anymore. Okay, so before you go apoplectic <laughs> and explode in the podcast booth, which isn't can that you use large. The, can you use the origin of that word? Carter, yeah, right, right, right. Carter, you got to jump in on this one. Yeah, I think um, the you mentioned, yes, it is 100 and whatever, 24 yeah. and 19, whatever is dollars to get this. Um, I also understand the amount of value that Prime adds, so it's not even fair to use that price point to compare i think i think the thing is is the few pieces of reporting that i've seen that kind of actually analyze this service is the fact that they do still have some work to do whether it comes from whole foods or whether it comes from prime or whatever it might be and whether it's the packaging whether it's the produce whether it's the timing whether it's frozen goods there's still challenges that you have to overcome and though that's a negative or a hit who else better to solve them than the people with the largest infrastructure in terms of last mile fulfillment but i do think that at some point in time we may have a we but that's this is, i'm going to debunk myself here in my sentence is basically saying i may want to look to a more local grocer to fulfill my order because i'm going to have better quality i know where it's coming from etc rather than a warehouse that's in the middle of who knows where and how Will long you well, but hold on a second hold on that's today and i want to get to that too but what about this what about ann's main objection here because i'm curious 
Because basically what this means is we're saying Amazon can provide groceries more efficiently at a lower cost to us as consumers. Yes. Why is that bad? This just feels to me like how we used to all talk about Walmart in the 90s. Now it's 20, 30 years later. And like, you know what? The sky didn't fall. You know, Chicken Little, nothing came mm-hmm. to fruition. Why is this different than that? Like, is, is like I, I don't understand why it's not inherently great. Why isn't this great for consumers? Because we're worried Amazon's going to do something to manipulate us. What is it? Because we, they have all the control. There's zero competition. Like Walmart killed a ton of small businesses, like mom and pop stores, when they came online in all these rural communities. Like Carter, to your point, like the problem that I have, our local grocery store, Carter and, and Chris and I, we we all live close together. Our local grocery store to make the business model work to just do buy online, pick up in store, they still have to charge you five dollars to come to the store and just pick up your groceries. Like they cannot survive with this competition and that's what drives me crazy is like Amazon's just we're just too strong they're and they're only going to get better like their produce is only going to get better because all these other regionals are falling apart and they can't get the same produce and now Amazon's going to come in and buy them up well, and there's just there's no competition and I don't think that's ever a good thing call me and whatever I don't no, know I what think, the term is I think that's I'm accurate the, you know, the, the fact there's no competition is a larger business issue in the world we live in today but to Chris's point like this seems like a pretty great way to live better i mean at the end of the day yeah well okay and so here's the second question because i think you both hit on this what does this portend and it's a little bit of a leading question it's a leading question intentionally because i'm literally dropping an article about this in forbes tomorrow but what does this portend what do you think it tells you there's another move on the horizon here i think based on this announcement and it's been reported which is what we got to keep it in spill there's a new grocery store coming well, you yeah, think, we know so that. So when you talked about, the, yeah, right. But we were talking, but we were talking about like the fact that you're still getting it from a fulfillment center that's far yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not localized. No, no, no. There's something coming, and they're getting in front of it. They're getting us used to it. And so when they start building these stores, we can have confidence. The produce is fresh. It's local. The pro- the products are all priced right. They're all the garden variety products we can get, like the Wall Street Journal said, from Oreos to whatever. This is telling me that it's coming. And not surprisingly, too, they had an, they had their earnings announcement last week. They've been overspending on it. They're investing. They are investing to go after this. You can see all the bread comes on the trail, I think, here. And I think that's a really important part of this. And again, I just go, So it's hard for me to say, is that bad? Like, I, I can get all the things I want cheaper. I can get them on my schedule. You know what? The one that gets hurt the most is Walmart, you know, ultimately. But, you know, if Walmart can't compete with that... There's a lot of ground to be taken there. And there's still the the local grocers who had to compete with Walmart in general. They're still there to do that. So I don't know. And it, people will evolve and figure out new ways. But I don't know. That's that's where my head is. So how do you feel about like Amazon getting into healthcare and being able to correlate what you buy in their grocery stores when they're the only grocery store with what healthcare rates and premiums you're paying because they suddenly own healthcare and prescription drugs and them all having that data. And then, oh, let's talk about infrastructure and web services and all the other things that yeah, they, the own. Amazon, they own. They own your right. life. Like if, and now they have every element of your life. They're listening to what you're doing, what your kids are doing. Like there's just no end. And I'm. Well, I think it's important to separate what we're talking about. Like, yeah, that stuff's creepy. Like, and do you want that or not? I don't think you can separate. But it even though, the healthcare, Chris. even the healthcare stuff though like if i'm getting better healthcare and my drugs are cheaper is that bad 
So I think you've got to compartmentalize what the different investments are and then how do you you know keep a, a good stranglehold in terms of not allowing that creep to be too big. But this one from a creep perspective, you know, I'm not sure it scares me that much. I, I totally get that it scares you and that's cool. Like, you know, God, time will tell. It scares Anna, can't tell. <laughs> time will tell. I just don't know. Carter, anything to add? Final points? No, I think the anti-competition thing is a much larger point that we don't have time to dive into here right. fully. And I think that it is something that, you know, the people that we look to for research and the other people in our world that we look up to have talked about a lot mm-hmm. and figuring out why is it bad that Amazon has so much power? Why is it bad that Facebook owns this world? Like, why is that bad? And there are many really tangible reasons for that. And that could be another time on the podcast um you know so i think chris is chris is right like personally it seems great cheaper better faster more convenient giving me more time to hang out and do the things i love that sounds awesome but you know there is that dark shadow in the background of what is the cost of that Um, and it comes in many different categories forms and phases what happens to the economy when the people that were working at those grocery stores can't afford to buy amazon because they don't have jobs anymore like yeah, there's they, there's yeah. just other ripple effects that it's again, a con- yeah, it's for sure. I won't, I won't, I will be, I will, I will step off the box. But this one triggered the warning lights. I think. Oh basically. my god! <laughs> yes, you guys. Ugh. Sorry. All right. I digress. All right. Well, let's close it up. Thank you for sticking with us. As always, some exciting announcements. So tomorrow, as I mentioned or alluded to, I will be dropping a new piece that predicts what the Amazon grocery store of the future will look like. I can't wait to read that. That's going to be super good. I'm, I like it a lot. I'm so it's going to be on Forbes and it'll be on OmniTalk.blog and I'm sure we'll talk about it more next week yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, we'll too. put it on social media. Yeah. And, and you know, rumor is that things going to be opening soon. So we'll see how right I am. Uh, kudos. I just want to say too, kudos to Mark Laurie for being a cool guy. You know, that was cool to sit down with him. I got to tell you, not all CEOs are like that in any way, shape or form to be able to to sit down, especially with someone who's been, um, you know, as pointed on some of the things Walmart has done, but also very congratulatory on some of the things Walmart has done over the past year. But kudos to him. That was an awesome experience. uh, And it takes a lot for somebody to do that. I hope everyone had a great Halloween last night as well. Hopefully the tummies aren't too sore from all the Halloween candy. What percentage of Halloween candy came from Amazon, Ann? Too much? Uh, I don't even know. Do you have the data point? <laughs> no, I, I'm I don't. curious. Uh, you don't have oh, the quick. I, I'm curious. Quick, favorite Halloween candy tonight. What are you hoping for? What are that you have what from you last from night? Kids? What are you hoping you can get? 100 grand bars. From your kid? 100 grand bars? Ooh, uh, Twix. All the, all the way. Twix. Skittles for me. All right. On behalf of Carter and Ann and myself, as always, be careful out there. <laughs>